Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder with Silver and Black Pride here. It was certainly a wild game last week as the Raiders miraculously beat the Patriots one week ahead of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which will be going down in Pittsburgh this Saturday as the Raiders take on the Steelers on Christmas Eve. But it's the Friday before the game, so we've got the news, the injury report, and your questions to go over on this week's Holder's Handful. Let's do it. We'll start with by far the most exciting news coming out of Las Vegas this week as the Pro Bowl rosters were announced and three Raiders made it, running back Josh Jacobs, defensive end Max Crosby, and wide receiver Devontae Adams. This will be Jacobs' second Pro Bowl appearance as he made it back in 2020, Crosby's second in a row, and Adams' sixth consecutive appearance. To peel back the curtain a little bit, Jacobs received the fourth most votes among running backs, Crosby also had the fourth most at his position, and Adams came in seventh among wideouts. Also, kicker Daniel Carlson was close to making the team as he had the second most votes among kickers behind the Ravens' Justin Tucker. As a reminder, the Pro Bowl format will be different this year as the representatives from each team will compete in a skills competition and a flag football game, which will replace the traditional format. Tickets for the Pro Bowl are available now on the NFL's website, and anything, everything will be in Las Vegas for the second year in a row, with the game slated for February 5th at 12 p.m. local time in Allegiant Stadium. I'm sure I don't need to remind you guys of how crazy Chandler Jones' game-winning touchdown was last week, but here are a few stats courtesy of the Associated Press's Josh Dubow that make Jones' play seem even more improbable. The Raiders are the 18th since 2000 to score two TDs in the final 40 seconds of regulation in a win, and the last time that happened, it actually occurred twice on the same day, December 15th, 2019, as the Falcons beat the 49ers 29-22, and the Eagles beat Washington 37-27. Also, since 2000, the only other time the Raiders won a game on the final play of regulation came in a 31-30 win over the Chiefs on an untimed down where Derek Carr hit Michael Crabtree for a touchdown on Thursday Night Football back in 2017. Our last stat comes via the Elias Sports Bureau. Jones' game-winning fumble return touchdown was just the third time in NFL history that such a play has happened, and if you know your Raiders' history, you know it's the second time this has happened to the Raiders, as tight end Dave Casper recovered a fumble in the end zone to beat the Chargers back in 1978, a play that is now known as the Holy Roller. Like last week, I'll give you guys a rundown of how the Raiders could be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs via Joe Ferreria. The good news is, if they win, they're still alive. The bad news is, if they don't, there are seven scenarios where they can be eliminated, so please bear with me as I go through them. First, Raiders lose, Chargers win or tie, Jets win or tie. Second, Raiders lose, Chargers win or tie, Patriots win or tie. Third, again, Raiders lose, Chargers win or tie, and the Dolphins tie. Fourth, Raiders tie, Chargers win, and Dolphins win. Fifth, Raiders tie, Chargers win, Dolphins tie, Jets win. Sixth, Raiders tie, Chargers win, Dolphins tie, and Patriots win. And finally, Raiders tie, Chargers win, Jets win, and Patriots win. For those curious, the Chargers play the Colts on Monday Night Football, Dolphins play the Packers, Patriots have the Bengals, and the Jets play the Jaguars on Thursday Night Football, so you have the results for that game by the time you're listening to this. Time for our weekly roster moves and visits updates, and this one will be a little shorter than normal as it was a quieter week in Las Vegas this week. 
Wide receiver DJ Turner was dropped from the active roster last week to make room for all the call-ups the Raiders needed with all their injuries, but Turner signed back to the practice squad on Tuesday, and wide receiver Malik Turner was let go from it in a corresponding move. The Raiders also signed linebacker Harvey Lange to the practice squad, who was originally from West Jordan, Utah, went to BYU, and has been in the league since 2017, playing with the Patriots, Jets, and Broncos, and racking up 80 total tackles. In a corresponding move, Austin Calitro was released from the practice squad. The only visit I have for you guys this week is another CFL quarterback, Trey Ford, worked out in Las Vegas. And to wrap up here and give you guys an update from last week, former Raiders guard John Simpson has signed to the Ravens practice squad. Our news wrap-up will also be short this week, and I'll have to start with an updated NFL draft order, which has the Raiders picking 10th after their win against the Patriots. The top 15 is as follows. Picking first, the Houston Texans. Second, Chicago Bears. Third, Seattle Seahawks via the Denver Broncos. Fourth, Detroit Lions via the LA Rams. Fifth, Arizona Cardinals. Sixth, Indianapolis Colts. Seventh, Atlanta Falcons. Eighth, Carolina Panthers. Ninth, Philadelphia Eagles via the New Orleans Saints. Tenth, the Raiders. Eleventh, Jacksonville Jaguars, though that will change after Thursday night. Twelfth, Houston Texans via the Cleveland Browns. Thirteenth, Pittsburgh Steelers. Fourteenth, Green Bay Packers. And fifteenth, the Seattle Seahawks. The other news story I wanted to share with you guys is, per the Athletics' Deshaun Reed, the Raiders' captains came together and mandated that Josh Jacobs also be named a captain, so he'll have the C on his chest for the rest of the season. Moving on to the injury report, the Raiders got some bad news as cornerback Rocky Sin didn't practice all week and has already been ruled out for Saturday with that knee injury, which means Yassin will miss his third game in a row, so Amick Robinson will continue to get more playing time. The good news is everyone else was at least limited and the limited guys were as follows and all have been deemed questionable for the game. Guard Alex Bars, knee, which is a good sign since he didn't practice at all last week. Offensive tackle Jackson Barton, back. Defensive tackle Andrew Billings, fibula. Linebacker Darian Butler, quad. Guard Dylan Parham, knee. And running back Samir White, ankle. I'll also add in that Josh McDaniels was non-committal about whether or not Bars and Parham will be ready to play this Saturday, so the Raiders could be starting two backup guards again. Offensive tackle Jermaine Illuminor, wrist, and defensive back Deron Harmon, shoulder and back, were also on their report but were full participants in practice. As for the Steelers, starting and rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett has clear concussion protocol and will be playing on Saturday after missing last week. Other than that, the two guys from Pittsburgh to keep tabs on are wide receiver Deontay Johnson, toe, and safety Terrell Edmonds, hamstring, as both missed practice on Thursday, with Johnson receiving a questionable game status and Edmonds being unspecified. And that'll do it for this week's injury report. Here we go, mailbag time. As your weekly reminder to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, adamholder95 on Twitter, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, how does Luke Masterson look to you? Do you think he's a long-term option going forward on the defense or just a stopgap until he can find more talent? I thought Masterson's played pretty well in the last couple weeks. One of the biggest things that I think he's shown growth in in the last couple weeks from the, from the preseason is he's cleaned up his tackling a little bit. He's missing a lot less than he was in the preseason. That was kind of his biggest issue then. And I thought he played really well last week, made a couple nice stops um, on uh, in coverage and then made a couple nice plays in, in the run against the run too. So I think he can definitely be a guy that they could maybe, you know, keep on the defense and use as a starter moving forward. I do think it's way too early to determine either direction if he's you know going to be a, 
a building block moving forward or just a stopgap for now. I think definitely got to see how the rest of the season plays out. Um, and no matter how he plays, no matter how well, unless he's out there playing like an old pro or something like that, um, I think he's not a guy that's going to prevent you from adding a linebacker. But I do think he'll be a, have a chance to compete next year for a starting spot, especially if he finishes the year strong. I've liked him a lot. I liked him a lot in the preseason. So I'm excited to see what these next uh, three weeks here look like for, for Masterson. I think he can definitely earn himself some browning points and maybe be, you know, the starter heading into OTAs or training camp and all that stuff if he can play well um, and barring Diablo beating him out or anything like that. But yeah, I think he's played well so far. Definitely a guy that I think could could mix in in the starting lineup next year, but but a little too early to give you a definitive answer on that one. But yeah, definitely a guy that's been a, a, one of the few bright spots of the last few weeks. So excited to see what he can do to finish out the year. Second, Thoughts on the Sunday ticket deal? Looks like the estimated cap will be somewhere north of $220 million per team in 2023, with the team needing players at all three levels on the defense. Is there anyone you have your eye on in free agency? So for you, those of you that don't know, uh, the NFL reached a new deal with YouTube TV for Sunday ticket. It's like a billion-dollar deal. Uh, someone broke it down. It's something like $60 million extra per team. So the cap's definitely going up. I think the 220 figure here referenced was before that deal, so it might even go up even a little bit more than that, which is great for the Raiders, um, obviously, because one free agent I have my eye on is this uh, running back out of uh, Las Vegas. Josh Jacobs might have heard of him. Um, obviously, that's going to help them bring in him and hopefully be able to bring in some more free agents to help the defense. As far as guys that I'm looking at moving forward or in free agency, obviously, pending any franchise tags or all that good stuff, uh, one of my top guys is going to be Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle from the Eagles. I didn't realize how old he was because he's kind of come on the scene late, but he is going to be 30 in the offseason. So that's a little bit worrisome. But again, the Raiders defensive tackle, I don't think that's going to be too or a situation how rough it's been over the last two years. I don't think that's going to be too much of a problem. He's a guy that's had or been a great pass rusher the last few years for the Eagles um, and really kind of emerged and, and in some, some regards kind of taken over as Fletcher Cox is their best pass rusher on the interior and that Cox is getting uh, up there in age. So definitely a guy that if he does hit the open market, I think should be at the top of the, the Raiders list. Second would be Elton Jenkins with from the Packers. I saw that he's been playing more guard this year. I know he played more. He's played right tackle in the past, played pretty well at that spot too. Does have an injury history, but obviously that could be a guy that could at least compete with Illuminor for the starting spot because as great as Illuminor played, I would like to see them bring in some more competition just to make sure that we're not getting a fluke season from a guy like Illuminor. But he'd definitely be a guy that at the very least has versatility to play inside too. Um, so it would be definitely be a good guy to bring in on the right tackle. And the next is a guy that I think a lot of people were hoping the Raiders might be able to get last offseason. Um, he got franchise tagged by the Bengals, which is safety Jesse Bates. I'd love to see them bring in another guy like that who can create turnovers, kind of be what Deron Harmon is, but a little bit better, or a lot better, I should say. Um, not to say that Harmon has played bad or anything like that, but Jesse Bates, is when he's on his game, he's one of the better free safeties in the league. Uh, if you guys remember, he picked off Derek Carr a few years ago when they were playing in, in Oakland out there. So definitely a good safety, a ball-hawking guy that I think could really help their secondary too. So that, that would be my three kind of, Top targets as, as things stand right now, Javon Hargrave, Elton Jenkins, Jesse Bates, and of course, re-signing Jacobs. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next up, assuming all the major defensive line guys are gone by pick 10, safe assumption, would you rather draft a guy like Skaronsky to help the interior O-line or Gonzalez to help the secondary? So to add more context for those of you guys that don't know, Skaronsky, Peter Skaronsky is a tackle out of Northwestern. Some people have uh, have him as an inside guy, one of those guys that's versatile, could potentially play either way. And then Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon, Colorado transfer, who's Kind of a, a little bit of a polarizing prospect right now. I know a lot of people have him as cornerback one. I know for the, the Bleacher Report guys that I work with, they're not as high on him. have more of a, a late first, second round pick, if I remember that correctly. So a little bit polarizing. Um, you know, as far as those two guys specifically, I think Scaronzi is probably going to stay at tackle. Um, if we're talking position-wise, uh, as far as helping like the interior offensive line or the secondary with a top 10 pick, I'd like to see them help the secondary just because you get a little bit more value out of the position. Typically the interior O line, unless it's a guy like Quentin Nelson, then you can find those guys are a serviceable one, uh, in the third or fourth rounds or for cheaper. Um, whereas the secondary, especially for the Raiders too, just pure numbers is going to be one of the biggest needs they have. Uh, especially at corner. They're going to be pretty thin back there. Nate Hobbs hasn't looked great since he came back uh, from injury, so I'd like to see them sure it up and get a stud out there, get a stud corner to at least be the the number two or three with those guys and and help add some depth to that because Rocky Sin's going to be a free agent too. So I'd probably lean towards secondary if we're talking position-wise. Skaronsi if we're talking player for player um, for him versus Gonzalez. Number four. Who could be a free agent D-tackle and cornerback the Raiders could target in the offseason? All these questions about the offseason, guys. The Raiders still have a playoff chance. Just kidding. No, they don't really have a playoff chance. Um, yeah, went over a few guys like earlier, uh, specifically Javon Hargrave for the defensive tackle. So I'll give you guys a few names to look up and do some research on. First being Deron Payne. I would be really excited if Deron Payne is, uh, ends up hitting the open market. I get the feeling Washington's probably not going to let him go. I think if they had plans to, or if they... How do I phrase this? I would think if they were going to not prioritize pain in the offseason, they wouldn't have let a guy like Tim Settle, who was um, a free agent for them last year and signed for a fairly cheap deal uh, elsewhere. I wouldn't think they'd let him go unless they were going to plan on bringing Deron Payne back. But if he does hit the open market, he's been an excellent defensive tackle over there in Washington, kind of been the number two to Jonathan Allen and um, PFF grade wise been top of the charts for the last few years, been really good. So I think he can be a guy that can not only help them against the, uh, against the run, but also help him as a pass rusher too. He's a guy I liked a lot coming out of Alabama too. So, uh, would be a good pickup. Dalvin Tomlinson, another guy that's a little bit o- older. I think he played, I believe he's played with, with uh, Patrick Graham in the past, uh, with the giants, good run defender. And then Draymond Jones from the Broncos. Some of you guys might know him well. Really good pass rusher, getting better as a run defender, and would probably be my th- top four if you're throwing Hargrave in there at defensive tackles. Cornerbacks, first guy would be Jamel Dean from the Bucks. 
To be honest with you guys, I don't know a whole lot about Dean. I just know he's one of the PFF darlings this year. So I definitely think he'd be a guy to work. that's worth checking out. I know they paid uh, their other corner, whose name I'm blanking on right now, last offseason. And who knows what they're going to do with the, the Tom Brady situation. They might be letting everyone go have a fire sale out there in Tampa or something like that. So he'd be a guy I'd try and car- target. Another guy I'm going to bring up from last offseason, James Bradbury. A lot of chatter about him reuniting with Patrick Graham. Um, obviously, that didn't happen, but guy that knows the system, guy that's played very well in Patrick Graham's system, excellent ball skills, and can really get it done. The last one, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of this cornerback class for free agency. Patrick Peterson, he's played well. He's played really well, the la- or he's kind of revived his career the last few years, over the last couple of years, and had a good season in Minnesota this year. That being said, I think he's going to be like 33, 34, so he is getting up there, kind of have that risk of bringing in an older player um, who might be on the the end, the twilight of his career, but a guy that's been a pro bowler, pretty sure an all pro in the past and playing really well right now. So definitely worse at least kicking the tires on to see if they can uh, bring him in. Question five, given that the Raiders need a lot of help in every area of the defense, and I think separate people said the same thing. That's hilarious. Uh, who would they look at to draft in the fir- in rounds one and two? So first, I'm going to give you guys some defensive line guys that I really like, or excuse me, some defensive, a couple D-line guys in one corner, there we go, um, that I kind of like where they might be, that I think could be available at 10. First being Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. He's getting a lot of hype right now. I think he's a a physical freak. He's like 6'6", 270, very strong, um, really good against the run, and a good power rusher. I don't know if he's the most bendy type of guy or the most athletic guy. I'll be interested to see if he tests and how he tests at the combine, he broke his foot, which has ended ended his season. But I believe he's expected to participate in all the offseason stuff. Uh, we'll see if that actually happens. I think he's getting a little too high right now. I think some people have him top 10, top 5. I don't know if I put him that high right now. But he's definitely a guy that I think should be on the Raiders' radar at 10. And again, if he, uh, if he tests well, he'll definitely shoot up in my eyes because that's probably my biggest concern. Not that he's necessarily a bad athlete. I just don't know if he's going to be one of the elite guys that you're looking for in a top 10. Second would probably be Brian Bressie, defensive tackle out of Clemson. My biggest thing with Bressie is he just has missed a ton of football in the last two years, which makes him kind of a hard guy to evaluate because these last two years, him being... Uh, 19, 20, I think turn coming up on 21 years old are supposed to be huge for your development. But one thing or another just has kind of kept him off the field at Clemson over those last two years. And you can kind of tell he's still figuring things out technique wise. But three years ago, he was the number one recruit in the country, athletic freak, um, strong as hell at 300 pounds. So definitely a guy that I would look into at defensive tackle. And the last will be Joey Porter Jr. at a Penn State. Yes, his dad is the former linebacker for the Steelers. That is exactly who it is. One of the top, uh, I believe the top corner on our Bleacher Report board over there. Guy that I don't know a ton about. I haven't done too much diving into the cornerbacks class this year. But obviously a guy that people who I respect think pretty highly of. and A lot of people in the draft community really like. And another guy kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier to to really help the the Raiders secondary, which is going to be thin. In round two, I like a linebacker in round two. They're the probably the top guy, not necessarily my top guy right now, is going to be Trenton Simpson at Clemson. He fits the bill of the modern day linebacker um, pretty well. Pretty athletic guy, can cover pretty well. Good and physical against the run. Not what I would consider his strength right now, but 
definitely a guy that might end up sneaking into the end of, end of round one. I could probably, if I had a bet right now, I'd say of all the linebackers, he would be the first one off the board and the, probably the most likely to go in the first round. The second guy would be my favorite right now, which is Noah Sewell coming out of Oregon, Panay Sewell's brother. A guy that the best way I can describe him is a freak athlete for being 250 pounds. He's kind of got the got the build and the size of an old school linebacker with maybe not quite there, but close enough or good enough athleticism to fit the modern day game. Um, I you'll be you'd be pretty impressed if you could put him on in film and can catch a few of his uh, plays and coverage. Well, he'll carry running backs down the field again at 250. Um, he was 270 in high school, I think, playing running back too, by the way, which imagine tackling that guy. So a guy that's just naturally large and moves really well for his size, and I think will probably even be one of those guys that's a better pro than he is um, than he is in college, and he was pretty damn good in college too. Uh, the next one is going to be a riser. Drew Sanders, transfer from Alabama, now at Arkansas. At Bama, they had him play more as like an edge, like an outside linebacker type. So he's pretty under the radar coming into the season. Arkansas has moved him to, to an off-ball linebacker inside, and he stood out phenomenally. You can see how athletic he is. Another guy with great size, uh, kind of fits the bill for a linebacker, 6'4", like 240, something like that, and can run. And a guy that when I watched him during the season, I was almost floored with, I'm like, I don't know how this guy isn't getting more more love at this point. And now that I'm seeing him kind of get uh, – Get up there in draft boards. I think I saw Mel Kuyper has him 24th overall, which which was astonishing to me. So definitely a guy that I think can probably be a good pick in that second round. And then my last guy is a guy that's he's going to be one of my guys, a guy that a lot of people are hating on that I like a lot, which is going to be Iowa's Jack Campbell. Guy won the Buckus Award this year, like Sanders, great size, 6'4", 6'5", 246. A lot of people have questions about his athleticism. Again, the combine will hopefully tell us all this. I don't think he's a freak athlete, but I think he's athletic enough, if that makes sense. And probably one of the best linebackers at stacking and shedding and throwing linemen, offensive linemen on the ground to uh, make plays against the run. So a guy that I really like might end up going in the third round just just based on what I'm seeing from other people in the in the draft media. Um, again, I'm a lot higher. I seem to be a lot higher on him than everyone else is, but. Uh, four guys in that in that linebacker group that I think are really good that could be good values in the second round. Last question here. Why has Bilal Nichols underperformed this year, and will he be back next year? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. First, I've kind of talked about this a little bit. Started the start of the season or preseason injured. I think that really stunted his growth. And then we've always kind of known he wasn't great against the run. He's just been more of a pass rusher uh, in the in the past, so... I think we've seen that a little bit, like we talked about in the past with you know Jerry Tillery being in there and helping freeing him up and getting some one-on-ones. That being said, that's not the biggest ring endorsement for a guy when you have to bring somebody else in to help unlock his potential. But I think part of it too is when we go back and look at his numbers from the Bears, he's also playing with a guy like Akeem Hicks a lot. So maybe that maybe is something he might have been a little bit overrated or his pass rush might not be quite as great as we thought it was. We know he can beat one-on-one blocks, which is good, but obviously he can't be the guy as the interior rusher, um, and that's probably part of it. And as far as him being back next year, uh, I looked up on Over the Cap. About half of his contract, about $3.5 million for next season, is uh, dead cap, no matter if it's uh, pre or post-June 1st. 
So I would imagine he's going to be coming back if they're going to have to pay him just or they're going to have to split his contract down the middle and pay him half of it anyway, especially with them being somewhat tied up against the cap. I don't know if they'll want to spend three and a half million on extra dead cap. They're going to have a lot of dead cap already uh, heading into next year. So I have a feeling he'll probably be back. And again, if they do let him go, then they're really going to need some defensive tackles. So I think he'll be back next year. Um, but beyond that will definitely be a question. But it's definitely been somewhat disappointing, but we'll see how these last few weeks play out. Hopefully he can uh, start winning as a pass rusher a little bit more. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode. As your weekly reminder, the Raiders play on Saturday at 5.15 p.m. on NFL Network. It's a different day, different time, and a different channel. So if you have Christmas Eve dinner plans, make sure to get a spot at the table with a clear view of the TV. And on that note, I'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and any other holiday that I missed. I really do appreciate you guys listening every week, and I hope you all get some time to spend with your families and loved ones over the holidays. As always, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, at mholder95, and follow Silver and Black Bride. Until next time, guys.